Hello and welcome to the Manufacturing Culture Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, get ready to rev your engines because we have an electrifying guest on today's show. He's a man who knows how to steer his team towards success and he's got the experience to prove it. With over 25 years of manufacturing experience, including international assignments in Canada, Mexico, and the United States, he's no stranger to the industry. As the president and CEO of Spartanburg Steel Products, he's used his passion and leadership skills to lead organizations ranging from 300 to 1,500 employees. But that's not all. He's also a servant leader who understands the importance of workplace culture and how it affects productivity, customer satisfaction, and profits. So buckle up, folks, because Mark Witten is about to take us on a wild ride through the world of manufacturing culture. Get ready to be inspired, motivated, and energized as we dive deep into the secrets of success with this incredible guest. Welcome to the show, Mark Witten. Hey, hey, buddy. How are you doing today? Good, Jim. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. Thanks for taking time out of your day uh, on a Friday to, to have this conversation about such a, a very important topic. And um, I, I just I can't thank you enough. Thank you. Good. Glad to be here. Love. Uh, looking forward to the conversation. Awesome. Awesome. <clears throat> so, Mark, uh, you and I have never met uh, in person. Uh, you ha had reached out to me via social media, and we had a conversation about Spartanburg Steel products, about uh, your leadership style, and it was very soon apparent that you'd be a great guest on the show. Can you Give us a little background on Spartanburg Steel Products. What what do you guys do there? How big is the organization? Just give us a, a brief overview of the organization. Absolutely. Spartanburg Steel Products is uh, current. It's a privately held company. Um, and the ownership has uh, been with Spartanburg for just over 40 years. So long-term long -term family uh, wow. ownership. Great people, great company. Uh, have a lot of employees here that have uh, tenure greater than twenty-five years, it, even up to fifty years of tenure here, because the company was owned by Firestone prior to current ownership. Wow. Uh, we are a manufacturing company, so stamping, welding, assembly. Uh, we do all of that. Uh, we've got a, a three three buckets of customers. Let's call it or or industries. Yep. We're in the automotive space, so tier one and tier two to customers like BMW and Volvo car, sure. um, heavy truck industry. So we've got a number of customers, commercial vehicle group, Volvo truck um, and others. And what we call ag and turf, John Deere, mm -hmm. Kubota, Honda, Oshkosh, uh, other customers. So really, we're, we're pretty diversified across the manufacturing space with different customers. Okay, great. And uh, how many employees did you say you have there? We're about 400 employees today and about wow. 600,000 square feet under roof of manufacturing. Wow. That's impressive. I, I'm going to have to come see your, your facility there, Mark. Yeah, um, cool. So, 
Mark, when did you start with Spartanburg? Uh, March of 2020. So literally um, <laughs> within two weeks of COVID uh, shutdowns, I started here. And my, my first my first experience uh, in the organization was was exactly that, right? Going through the the initial shutdowns uh, related to COVID and many many things. So yeah, it was a, it was a, it was an interesting start. Wow, and and so uh, typically my first meaty question is, what's your cultural journey been uh, at Spartanburg, right? At, at your organization, and so. Uh, I, I'm really curious, uh, as somebody who focuses on culture, how uh, how has that journey been? I mean, starting during COVID and the uncertainty that that brought. Um, how, how's your cultural journey been at Spartanburg? And and if you have to give us some background on Spartanburg culture prior to you get, getting there, please please add that color. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, great. Well, let me I mean, let me back up a little bit. So. Uh, Prior to this, I've been in the manufacturing space, um, as you as you mentioned in the intro, uh, greater than 25 years now. Um, most of my career has been in the automotive tier one. I worked for Magna International, Martin mm-hmm. Re International, uh, both Canadian uh, companies that that are global. And prior, I was with Martin Rea in in Kentucky before coming here. Um, I did a, a general manager's role, and then was. Um, was uh, um, given the opportunity to be director of ops. And then I was uh, contacted by a recruiter back in, would have been about August of 19. Okay. Um, and you know, in the beginning, I wasn't necessarily interested. And, and and I started to learn a little bit about Spartanburg Steel Products. I did my little bit of research. And I really liked the company, what I saw, what I, what I, what I heard from the people in the industry that I knew. Mm-hmm. And so I started down that journey to, to ultimately meet the owners, see the facility and understand what they were looking for. And, and really to, to set up, to answer your question, you know, they, they, they valued the long tenured employees, but they ultimately felt that um, the culture wasn't what they wanted it to be. They're very, okay. very uh, people that, that, um, they're very loyal, um, dignity and respect are really a fabric of the ownership's um, uh, way of working. Okay. And they didn't feel ultimately that that it was exactly as they wanted the culture and the performance was the other thing. So the company wasn't performing well, wasn't necessarily, wasn't making money, had some some customer quality issues and different things. So <clears throat> that, that was really what the business was when I came. Mm-hmm. And if I, you know, when I started in March, my, my first you know, six months really, I, I observe, I spend a lot of time observing and listening and asking questions so that I can truly understand, you know, not just from a management's perspective, but ultimately from the employee's perspective, how they view management, how they view the organization, what are the gaps, you know, what, sure. are, the, what are the different tools they're using to communicate, are the employees engaged? And there's many different ways in which I went about um, finding that information. Um, but the, but but the culture to answer your question the culture was um, underperforming people were I wouldn't say fully engaged as they should be sure uh, and that was my starting point and my journey from that point forward was really to change that to to get the business uh, operating as it should mm-hmm. and uh, and not not and with the employees being engaged and tied into that so that they were aware of and part of the transition of what we ultimately called SSP 2.0. Okay. So Spartanburg Steel Products, we, we typically call ourselves SSP. 
uh, SSP 2.0 was really the moniker in which I, I, I sort of gathered up the future state. So mm -hmm. 1.0, I didn't want to take away from 1.0 because a company that's been around 40 years has done some things right. Absolutely. And if you have employees that are 25, 30, 40 years here, you're doing something right. So I didn't want to at all look back on the organization and say, ah, things weren't good. They were good, but there right. were opportunities. So 1.0 was the past and 2.0 is the future. And we started talking that way. And then employees started mentioning, you know, this, this is not 2.0, this is 1.0. And they would say things like that. And they would start to recognize, you know, that 2.0 is really about dignity and respect. It's about performing. It's about accountability. It's about communication. And ultimately, and most importantly, it's about leading by example. Yeah, this is the most important thing. And probably the thing I will mention multiple times in our conversation is, you know, change is driven by leadership. Leadership owns the results of the business, period, because management is are the ones who have the ability to incite change, to create change uh, and to make decisions. So ultimately, the performance of the company is a direct result of management, in my opinion, not the employees. Yep. And the only way to change that is by leaders leading in a different direction and leading by example. And we did many things to lead by example, to show the employees that, hey, we apologize for the way the business is run. We apologize for the conditions in which you're working because it's not acceptable and we're going to fix it. And so we as management would go out to the shop floor and we would fix things and we would clean and we would paint and we would do whatever we needed to do to create a an environment um, that was conducive to performance, but ultimately dignity and respect. Got it. Got it. So, uh, Mark, how how did you measure the engagement level? Uh, did you measure the engagement level right when when you first came on board and and you recognized that the the employees weren't necessarily as engaged as you were looking to have them? Yeah, yeah. There's several things. Um, I spent a lot of time on the shop floor talking with employees. Mm -hmm. you know, just getting their perspectives. I did one-on-one -on -one meetings. Mm -hmm. um, I put an ask the president box in place right away. And that what that is, is uh, uh, boxes located around different facilities here where employees can put anonymous questions in. And then I answer those questions using the television monitors we have all throughout the plant. And I send an email out with the questions to all employees that have email. Wow. And and that one is, I can't stress the importance of Ask the President because that one's such an important one. You know, where employees in a culture where people may be a little bit timid to about management or there's a new boss and I don't really know, so I'm not comfortable asking a question. But if it's anonymous, I get all kinds of questions. And as you can imagine, some of them are pretty wild. Yep. But I, I and what I, my only rule is I will answer any question you have. I'm an open book as long as it's done respectfully. I won't answer questions about other employees by name, yeah. and I won't answer questions that are derogatory, but everything else is 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 game. So I would get question, crazy questions that I thought were crazy, but, it, but, but what it said to me was that the employees truly don't understand. Yeah. That they're not being communicated with, clearly they don't know. And so I answered the questions, and, and as I started to answer these questions using the Ask the President box, I, they, the questions multiplied and then multiplied again and multiplied again because I knew there were so many questions out there. But so that's one one-on-one um, -on -one meetings with employees, coffee chats, town halls and surveys. I mean, th those were really um, probably the majority of them. There may be a few others, but that's how we're measuring engagement. Got it. And so over the course of 
I guess now just over three years has been your tenure there, right? Mm -hmm. um, yes. What, have you continued to measure the engagement and uh, what, what kind of results are you seeing? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm blessed to have a great partner in an HR director, Magdalena. Okay. Um, she, she and I are very much of like mind when it comes to um, employee engagement and things like that. So she, she is my, um, I refer to myself as the number one culture agent in the company. <laughs> Um, she's number two or close number two. She would tell you she's number one, but <laughs> say she's number two. You may want to have her on your podcast. One yeah, time. absolutely. She's a firecracker. Maybe we'll have a, a panel and mm -hmm. have both of you on. There you go. Um, so, so we just finished uh, a full employee survey. We use a third party to do so. Um, mm -hmm. They manage it, et cetera. We try to keep it uh, management hands off it. So employees feel comfortable to put whatever they want to put and answer the questions the way they want to answer them. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we get the survey results mm -hmm. back. Uh, and, and I was uh, pleasantly surprised, um, pleased, and because really culture journeys, and we'll, we'll talk about the word culture in a minute, but you know, a, a changing culture is a journey of time. I mean, you, you don't change culture overnight. It takes a concerted effort of time to do that. And we've been mm -hmm. on that journey. So I was pleasantly surprised or pleased with the survey results, but there's opportunities, of course. So. We, we immediately went into what we refer to as focus groups. We took the survey results. We broke the, the, the results down into, let's say, the top three opportunities we see. And then Magdalena is leading uh, these, these um, focus groups with employees mm -hmm. and asking questions around the topics or the feedback we receive for clarification. So we understand exactly what the employees are telling us. And then we build an action plan based on that what we call a culture plan mm -hmm. and then we just keep we just keep hammering away at that right we keep focusing on what the employees are telling us the opportunities are and we'll do a survey again in this coming december and we'll do it every december and that's 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 kind of our barometer so to speak of of how the culture is changing there are other ways of course um you can see it via participation sure. with employees at events and things like that for example uh in 2021 Christmas time, we did an open house for the first time ever. So we invited family members, extended family members to come to the facility and for a Christmas party. And we had Santa Claus, we had jump houses inside, we had all kinds of fun things. Well, we were, uh, so back in 2021, we probably had all told employees plus, um, plus family members, about 250 ish. Okay. We did it again in December of 2022. We had almost 600. Wow. So to me, and we didn't gain a lot of employees. We just gained a lot of participation. Right. And, and that's another indicator. I mean, one thing for sure is that people are not happy coming to your workplace. They're not bringing their family members to see it as well. That's, right. that's one indicator. And then, of course, the other things we do is the coffee chats, the open doors, the one-on-one -on -one walk the floor. I mean, I'll tell you one thing. You can walk into any facility, manufacturing facility in, in for, for this purpose of this conversation and look in the eyes of employees as you walk their shop floor. And I can tell you pretty quick and I'll go to the bathrooms, by the way, the employee bathrooms, and I'll tell you what the culture of that organization is. Absolutely. Those, there's a lot of indicators around those things. Yeah. I, I, we, we've mentioned on the, the show a couple of times, uh, uh, myself, my guests, you now um, that 
walking in the, the door of any facility, and I don't care if it's a machine shop or an assembly facility or what in manufacturing, if the employees engage with leadership's guests, right? If they feel comfortable enough looking the guest in the eye and engaging in conversation, then typically the culture is fairly healthy. Uh, if they're looking at their shoes, looking at uh, their work, not engaging, typically there's something wrong with the culture, whether that's they're afraid that they're going to get reprimanded for, for speaking to the guest or, or something. But yeah, you're, you're spot on on that. I share a story, Jim. Um, in one of my previous assignments, I went to, I knew what I was getting into. Yeah. Um, you know, my the CEO of the organization was clear with me that this was a broken culture and and uh, I had my work cut out for me. And on my first day, I was introduced, I met the management team and mm -hmm. sat down around a big table and went around, everybody introduced themselves and I was the last one. I said, you know, my name's Mark, good to meet everybody, happy to be here, really looking forward to helping. But let's go for a walk on the shop floor. You guys lead, I follow. Mm -hmm. Show me your show me the business. Show me show me your your operations. And I walked behind this group of ten leaders. And what I observed very quickly, they did not wear their protective equipment, so they had earplugs hanging out of their ears and oh. their eyeglasses on their head, mm -hmm. um, talking on their phone and cutting across walkways, which are, we had defined walkways and crosswalks. They cut across sure. the aisles, and equally as bad. They walked by the garbage on the floor and so here's here's the new guy uh, i'm following them and as they all walk past the coke can on the ground i pick up the coke can and i proceed to continue to follow <laughs> and as we walk this next thing i observed was how as the management passed employees two things happened employees looked away or looked down and secondly the leaders didn't didn't make they made no effort to engage the people like hey how you doing high fives what's going on fist pump right. nothing zero wow kept walking through the organization and i found a, a restroom at the back of the facility which was my next well there's two 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 places i always go this was one sure i went into the bathroom men's into the men's bathroom and and i observed the stall doors ripped off really I, the, the smell was terrible and and the graffiti on the doors was this company sucks. <laughs> so wow. I knew what I knew I, I I knew the problem, but I also knew exactly in that moment what the problem was. Sure. Absolutely. And, and it was the management, the 10 people I followed around who had no regard for leading by example, no regard for dignity and respect of people. The facility looked like crap. It was filthy and dirty and dark and dingy. I mean, it, it was the the epitome of what a broken culture and 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 the ultimate reason was management. And so fast forward, um, my playbook is the same. <laughs> I focused on the people. I apologized profusely to the people for the conditions in which this company had them working. Mm -hmm. We invested in lighting, polishing floors, painting, cleaning. But you know who did it was not that management team because they left. <laughs> but the new management team and myself spent all of our effort cleaning and painting and cleaning and cleaning. It was, you would not believe the effort that it took to fix that. But 
the reason I did that is because it was first and foremost, it was management's fault. And secondly, I wanted the people to understand it was unacceptable and that I was willing to fix it, but I also needed them to participate in maintaining it. Yep. it <clears throat> once it's once we've established where it's respectful and it's it's dignified, then they are part of helping to maintain. And they, and they did. And they did. And it was the same employees. And we had tremendous improvement in performance and quality and wow. profitability. It was a turnaround of epic proportions, but it was all done by focusing on the people, the culture, dignity, respect, accountability, tools, metrics, all that stuff. But what a journey. And and the same playbook here, not the same condition. This okay. this partner was not in the same condition, nor was the management team. The management team was good. They just they just they just weren't engaged as they needed to be. But but uh, we did the same thing here, just a little bit different starting point. Yeah, I'm going to add as part of my cultural assessments that I do. Uh, I hope you don't mind. I'm going to co-opt this. Uh, I'm going to add a, a restroom visit and, and really pay attention to that employee restroom. I really like that. Uh, yeah. Thanks for that. No, um, so, Mark, you've shared <clears throat> where the organization was, where where you are now. Where do you want to get the culture to at, at SSP? Yeah, it's it's. I would. I always say we're we're in a state of transition. Always, right? So mm -hmm. it's it's always this continual improvement, day by day, inch by inch. And so I feel. I'll be honest with you. I feel very good about where we are culturally today. Um, we are performing well um, financially with quality and those things, but. The next, for me, the next evolution of culture change is where it's driven by employees. Mm. What I mean specifically is is more self-directed work groups. Yeah. So we we do shop floor meetings. Uh, we have we have what we call cadence of accountability meetings. So we have multiple stages of meetings um, that are shop floor, but like supervisors and lead hands are really managing those or leading those at the time. Sure. My vision is that those become the work groups, the production operators, that's their meeting. And leadership is there to support them, to help them, to provide what they need to, to meet their goals. That's really the transition that we're working towards is, um, is getting our, our people to drive the performance intrinsically with management supporting, helping and removing roadblocks. And so that's that's kind of our cultural journey. What it ties into what I would say is phasing out of SSP 2.0, which was really establishing, as I mentioned, the uh, you know dignify dignity and uh, respect and dignity and those things, and yeah. now transitioning more on a 3.0, let's say, um, to work groups, self-directed work groups, and and management's role to back away and allow those teams to to self accountability but yeah. also to for a management to provide support uh, to to help reach goals that's i like that a lot uh, one of the things that that i do with some of my clients is uh who are in kind of that and i love the way you put in that 2.0 moving to 3.0 um phase is have them have the action plan the the culture plan uh really be directed by uh, the employees and and create a, almost a committee and a, a cultural action committee um, of employees to help them come up with the ideas. Are you guys doing anything like that at, at SSP? Not not as you describe. Uh, I mean, I, I would say that the focus groups 
we've got a number of committees, uh, sure. you know, safety committee, different things like that. Um, not specifically that, but the focus groups will be the closest. So okay. we engaged our, our folks to say, hey, we did a survey, you told us something, but we're not entirely sure we understand exactly what you mean. Mm -hmm. So let's sit down together and kind of brainstorm and make sure that leadership understands, you know, this specific topic, you, you because sometimes it can be vague, you know, you do surveys, sometimes yeah. the answers can be a little bit vague in terms of exactly what the employees are trying to tell you. Yep. So we didn't want to assume we understood it. We created the focus groups, we sat down and said, Okay, here's what you said. Here's the question. Here's what you said. What did you mean? Exactly? Let's be we think you mean this. Is that correct? No, yeah. we meant this. Oh, okay, well, that makes sense. Let's uh, let's let's change the, the focus then because that's not going to work. So focus groups will be the closest to what you described. Okay, uh, and and that's fair. Um, and, and maybe that comes after the next survey uh, this year, or or maybe even the the survey in twenty four. I like uh, it. I like the idea. I mean, the culture plan is ultimately built from the the feedback from the surveys and focus groups. Now, and and I like your idea around you know maybe those maybe those folks that are on the uh, focus groups, they transition over as the drivers for that culture plan. Yeah, absolutely. Because then you, you've got the buy-in, right? Um, exactly. And uh, accountability as, as you build that culture of accountability and respect and dignity, um, accountability when you can build that from within and, and employees feel comfortable enough holding each other accountable, it really, it, it becomes a game changer, right? Absolutely. So, um, so you, you did mention, Mark, that your HR is leading these focus groups, which in my world, uh, I don't see a whole lot um, as I'm doing surveys with people um, because the, there's not necessarily a comfort or a, a level of comfort uh, mm -hmm. where the focus group, uh, we get that qualitative data that you get out of a focus group when the HR or, or management leadership team is the one conducting them. So talk to me about how you've built that that trust and uh, within the organization that your HR can be the one facilitating those focus groups. That, to me, that's amazing. Yeah, it is. And you're right. Typically, you know, when you're sitting down with employees and you're going through feedback and in that you know, if you don't have the right HR leadership or or HR department, yeah, um, it can be very risky. To your point, because people will not be honest because they fear that. So, uh, back up a little bit. When I joined uh, Spartanburg Steel Products back in March 2020, we had a different HR leader. He was a long tenured person, a fantastic human being, a great guy. Um, he wasn't an HR professional. He kind of, they, he's a, he was a 40 year employee of this organization who did multiple different jobs. They moved him around a lot, production manager. He, he did a lot. He pretty much probably did every job. Mm -hmm. Um, and he landed on the HR role and, you know, I had some very honest conversations with him in the beginning. I really like him. Great guy. We, he just retired recently. Um, but I knew he wasn't the, he wasn't right for sure. the role. Yeah. Uh, and and I talked to him about that. And, and my commitment to him was that he would stay with the organization. Um, he could help in many different ways, a very smart gentleman. And, and he did. Um, but I knew that uh, in order to to change the things that needed to be changed, um, well, I needed a different person. 
And so yeah. I went on uh, a, a journey to find a, um, an HR leader. We interviewed a number of them. Um, and then we met Magdalena. And, you know, I, I joke all the time. And honestly, Jim, I'll introduce you to her because she's she's she is a firecracker. That's awesome. Um, I'm excited. We, it wasn't us interviewing her. It was the other <laughs> way around. Those are the and, best ones. Yeah, it was. And and so it, it, initially it was my CFO, Jason and myself, who sat down with Magdalena, you know, had had started having a conversation with her. And very quickly it became more of her interviewing us. And then my next step is I as as I always do. Um, when I'm hiring an executive or or someone on the on the leadership team, um, the leadership team interviews that person too. So uh, right. we we asked we asked her back and we brought her in to meet the management team. Um, and there was nine of them. We brought her in, introduced. This is Magdalena. This is our leadership team. We're gonna leave you guys here to have a conversation. And so you know immediately the team started asking her questions. Well, Jason and I came back an hour later. And she was firing off questions across the table at each and every one of them. And I remember standing there thinking, what is going on here? Like this whole, this whole thing has just shifted. She's now interviewing the leadership team versus, and I knew we had the right person. Yeah. I just knew, you know, she, she, she believes in the same things that I, I believe in. Um, she, she's a, she's a pusher in terms of the culture and being forthright and honest with employees and making some tough changes, by the way. Sure. You know, one of the things here, um, is we were very, very loose to use a lack, uh, lack of a better word yeah. uh, in terms of policy deployment and, and, and holding people accountable. It was loose. And a lot of it was outdated policy in HR and, and not enforced policy. So she, she took on the tough chore of fixing that. And that's not always, that's not always, um, uh, well received by employees when you implement an attendance policy that you never had before. Right. And then you have points and people are now being held accountable to come to work on time, uh, these things. So sure. she she trudged through all those tough decisions and that, but did it in a proper way. And ex we explained it to the employees. We took their feedback. We uh, we made some adjustments where necessary, where we agreed. Yeah, that's a good point. We made some adjustments, but she did that. But, but back to your question, um, you know, you got to have the right partner. She is, and and she's been, she's been a blessing in terms of helping to, move our culture in a positive direction and move our performance in a positive direction as a result of that. So got great, uh, great that, but, but again, being, being honest and straightforward with people, um, you know, being, being transparent is a big part of that. And secondly, the feedback that we get, we act upon credibility is incredible, is hmm. super important. And I, I think sometimes, leadership teams miss this. And if I can just go down a little, a little wormhole Please. for a second. Yeah. I started my career as an hourly employee. You know, I came out of college and the best paying job was a manufacturing job. And I started working for Freightliner trucks on the shop floor, loading steering gears and flipping frame rails. Wow. And I quickly understood by doing that, that, you know, when I, like, I was always a curious person. And I'd ask a lot of questions. I was probably a real pain for, mm -hmm. for some leaders. But, you know, I, I had one leader in particular. I always remember this. And I asked a question. It was important to me. And I asked him a question. He said, oh, yeah, yeah, Mark. Yeah, I'll get back to you tomorrow about that. Off he went. Tomorrow came. I hadn't forgot about it. I asked the <laughs> question. But he didn't come with the answer. So I asked him, like, hey, can you, do you remember I asked you? Oh, yeah, 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 I'll get back with you. He never got back to me. And that was mm -hmm. one of 20 examples of questions I asked that he never got back to me. And I never forgot that. 30-some-odd right. years later, I never forgot that. It's like leadership you know being a leader is a burden 
I've written about this. I call it, you know, the burden of leadership because you, when you take on a leadership role, you take on a responsibility to be, to be accountable to other people. That's yeah. called servant leadership. And so when a person asks you a question, it's important to that person and you owe them an answer. And that's one of the things that I absolutely require my leadership team. I don't care how insignificant it sounds to you. If an employee has a question, you owe them an answer. It doesn't mean you need to say yes. You can say no, but you need to close the loop. Yeah. And so this is my point with, with Magdalena and the HR team is be, building credibility with employees has given us the opportunity for them to be honest with us with these focus groups because they understand our intent is only to learn, to understand and to fix. Nobody, there's no repercussions. There's nobody's getting disciplined for your, for answering questions. Nobody's get disciplined for sharing information. We just want to know so we can fix. And that credibility is why I believe it's not a problem for Magdalena to lead the focus groups ultimately. That's great. So you've built a, uh, a core leadership team that are also servant leaders. Uh, am I getting that correct? Absolutely correct. Yes. Now, uh, uh, along those lines, are those people that you've hired with that servant leadership mindset and skill set, or is that are, are those people that had other traits, beliefs, values that they brought to the table that you said that you recognize? Hey these people have X that fits my leadership style uh, and then develop them into servant leaders? Yeah, great question. It's a combination. Okay. You know, Magdalena was new to the organization, but she was the only other, the only leader that I changed when I came to Spartanburg Steel Products. Okay. Uh, we brought, we brought, a, we brought a, a, a CI director on that was new. Um, but the rest of the team was the existing team here. Mm -hmm. Different than my previous assignment I shared where 10 of 10 changed. Yeah. The, the, I always look in for people's, the DNA. Do, do the people have the DNA to be a leader for one? Yeah. And two, do they have a good heart? Do they, are they good people? Are they trying to do the right thing? You know, sometimes you're trying to do the right thing in an organization that doesn't sponsor the right thing. Mm -hmm. And it can be a, it can be a very difficult existence. I knew that the organization wanted to do the right thing. Yeah. I, and I, and I saw in their eyes and, and in their hearts that they wanted to do the right thing. They weren't necessarily being led to do it correctly, um, but they had the DNA. And so that for me was enough to work with. I, I knew sure. if they, if they had the desire, they had the willingness, then I can, I can display to them what leadership led transformation is or servant leadership. Mm -hmm. I can show it through my behavior. And I had a boss one time that told me, and I agree with him. I didn't agree with him on a lot of things, but this is one I did agree <laughs> with him on. He said, you know, what you, Mark, what you find interesting, your people will find fascinating. Interesting. And that always stuck with me because I thought, you know, that's interesting that, uh, and, and so I talked a lot in my early days here about servant leadership, but not only talked about it. Okay, guys, time to go to the floor. We're going to the floor for two hours to clean. Let's go. Right. And we would do this two times a week, every week. And I had to be the spark plug. I had to be the one that led that. But by doing that, I was what I was trying to ultimately get to was showing these the, the team here that this is my expectation. We have to lead the transformation. We have to lead by our behavior and our actions. Yeah. Simple things like painting the parking lot. We also went out and painted, painted all the curbs in the parking lot and, and, the, and the stripes because they needed to be done. 
and I want, uh, then it's got to be done. Let's go. So the leadership team went out there and we painted it. We're going to do it actually again on April 28th. Awesome. So little things, I know they're insignificant, but they ultimately add up to actions. And I called it leadership led transformation where leaders are going to be the first one through the wall. We're going to be yep. the ones that lead the transformation with the hard stuff. And by doing so, people will follow. Well, uh, and they may be, <clears throat> they may be insignificant to you and to the leadership team, but ultimately when 400 employees see the leadership team out there painting stripes and curves, that does something internally for them that want, makes them want to run through walls for that leadership team, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And and they they enjoyed that, but they they enjoyed much more watching us sweat and <laughs> you know, like filthy, dirty as we were out on the floor cleaning. They yeah. enjoyed that much more, trust me, uh, as they would come up and see us just pouring sweat down our faces and and laughing about it. But I'm I'm okay with that. I was right. fine. It, they they understood what was trying to happen and they appreciated that we were taking ownership of the of the conditions. That's awesome. So as a servant leader, you absolutely understand the importance of workplace culture, right? Uh, but so how do you prioritize building and maintaining a positive culture while also managing that day-to-day -day operations of, of SSP? Yeah, to me, they're one in, one in the same. And, awesome. and I'll tell you why. Culture, I've always had this pet peeve around culture you know, cult, to me, culture is just a result of management behavior, period. That's yeah. all it is. You know, you get the culture. They say you get the union you deserve. They say also you get the culture you deserve. Again, if leadership is leading, is is ask, is is being accountable to, to themselves and the organization and the people, if our behaviors are all in, in lockstep with doing the right things, the culture is just ultimately the result of that. In sure. my opinion. And so when, when I talk about culture, it's really, I think about it more in terms of a high performing culture. Okay. You know, or an account, a culture uh, of accountability, you know, yeah. these kinds of things. And we, so there's several things we do. It started with, uh, as we talked about already, it started about creating creating an, an environment that was conducive to performance. So having proper bright lights and clean and organized and 5S and, you know, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Then secondly, it was measurables, metrics. Like what what's as I would walk through the shop floor and ask employees, for example, um, one operator, I, I asked her, what, what's your target for the shift? Like how many parts are you supposed to make? She says, I don't know. Um, okay. As many as possible. All right. Well, what does that mean? So, so, you know, again, that was, I knew, I knew the situation, but it became clear and we don't have any targets for anything. And, and I mean, in, 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 for those of you who are listening that are manufacturing people, you're, you're mortified to hear that. I get it. Um, but the reality is, yeah, uh, they don't know what they don't know. So right. if, unless we are communicating, what the goal is and the objective, the hour by hour, the minute by minute, the, you know, the shift targets, um, don't assume our employees know. So right. the second step was, okay, metrics, targets, um, we measure OEE, but from, but we're from a shop floor perspective, we put it into the buckets for employees of, you know, you need to, in the presses, it's strokes per minute. 
hits per hour. Okay. And in the assembly shop, it's jobs per hour or parts produced per, per, per hour. Mm-hmm. JPH uh, or um, yes, so jobs per hour. So we focus it, but we also we're, we're transitioning today of having TV monitors all on our equipment. We use a, a, um, a, a tool called Funnel Cloud, which, which basically is tr- capturing all our PLC data. Um, so we have targets for hits per hour on presses. We've got targets for assembly equipment, uh, and we're we're providing that information to our employees that hey, you need to make four hundred per hour, or you know, whatever whatever the number is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we can measure the employees against that. But but that's also about driving the performance with people. People like to be held accountable. I know that sounds strange, but they like to know what the goal is. And then they and then they they want to work to the goal. People are intrinsically built to to compete, if you know what I mean. Yep. Like, and I've seen this before. If we put a target up in front of employees, all of a sudden the, the throughput goes up, you know, and that, that lady was a perfect example. She didn't know. So we, we explained what the target was and, and all of a sudden, boom, she starts hitting the target. Right. I mean, there wasn't, we didn't fix anything on the equipment. We just communicated the goal and shared the information and then started measuring it. And, and as we've been, that's, that's a big part of, of driving the, driving the culture. So there's, there's a lot of things like that. And then, I mean, maybe the last thing I would mention is, is just creating that cadence of accountability where we're continuously um, measuring ourselves and sharing information and, you know, having plans around preventative maintenance, predictive, and all of that stuff is kind of how we've been driving the culture, different buckets, but at the end of the day, it's all for the same reason or the same goal. Yeah. So in, in your experience, so you've been around the block, you've been in three countries, uh, leading teams, what have been some of the biggest challenges to a, a positive culture? And, and with the team that you have at SSP now, the leadership team, how have you overcome those challenges that you've historically run across? I think one of the, one of the challenges in this example, you know, is, is gaining is the cre- credibility gaining credibility with employees takes time sure uh, and and employees you know for for the longest time were told something you know and things didn't happen or go back to that example i used about asking questions and nobody would get back to them and so overcoming that is 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 pretty difficult mm-hmm. only in that you have to be perfect as a leader um, and you have to follow up continuously. So the, the, the discipline around, again, using this term of changing the culture, the discipline from leadership's perspective, you got to be perfect. Yeah. What I mean by that is when employees ask questions, you must always get back to them. When you walk the shop floor, you must always have your PPE on. You must always follow the safety rules. You must always um, display the correct and appropriate behavior. You must always follow company policy and procedure. You got to be perfect. Yeah. Because uh, for those, and you know this, Jim, when you walk on your shop floor, and especially in a leadership position, your employees watch everything you do. Yep. Everything you do. Every word that comes out of your mouth, they, they, they remember. So being, being that lead, leading that transformation, being perfect every day, you know, following up with the employees, doing that will gain the respect and the credibility with people. Yeah. But I, I raise that as one of the challenges because it is difficult, time-consuming, right thing to do. But it is it is a it is a, it is a difficult process. I, I mean, I had 
one one lady here, I'll mention her by name. Her name is Rose. And Rose is a long-term employee here and was my biggest critic from day one. Okay. You know, oh, here's another guy. Here we go. You know, what's this guy gonna what's he gonna do? Same thing as the last guy. Yep. And I and I spent a lot of time with her um explaining myself you know, what, what my vision was and why I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it. And this is an hour, this is an hourly employee that works here. And, but to me, you know, if she's my biggest critic, I wanted her to be my biggest fan. Yeah. And and I I knew I had a tremendous, a tremendous uphill battle with that, but I won her over. And if, Hmm. if Rose was here today, she would tell you when I walked that shop floor, she gives me a hug every time. And, (laughs) you know, because, because we built credibility and dignity and respect between ourselves, I did what I said I was going to do. Yeah. exactly as I said I was going to do it. And that's another important point that that for your listeners, in, in any change in, in a business when you're trying to impact positivity is if whatever you say as a leader, you better do. Because <laughs> Absolutely. people are elephants and they remember what you said exactly as you said it and exactly what you said three years ago. You said you would do this. Yep. Um, and if you didn't do it, <clears throat> then you're, you know, you know, the thing, right? You can do 10 great things and one thing you didn't do. Right. And what do people remember? Only ever the wrong thing. The one thing you did, they don't remember the other 10 things. It's irrelevant. Right. But they remember what you didn't do. So that that's, that's the biggest challenge I'd say to answer your question. Uh, You just, it's, it's just discipline. It's discipline every day, but you got to be perfect uh, from a leadership perspective. Absolutely. And, and so, again, for the, the people who are listening, Mark, uh, this concept of servant leadership, is is, is this something that's scalable uh, to any size organization? You've been in, you, you've led organizations, 300 to 1500 people. Um, is this scalable down to a mom and pop multi-generational machine shop? Is, is that Possible. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Being a servant leader, it's an individual thing. I mean, you know, it scales to your point with your people. And I go back to what I find interesting, they find fascinating. So if right. the boss behaves this way, um, then that's probably the way I want to I want to I want to behave, uh, act. And so mm-hmm. for me, it's just a very early on in my leadership career, I accepted the fact that being a leader is is not about power. It's not about I'm the boss do as I say. It's got nothing to do with that. Um, yeah. Being a being a leader is about influence. It's about it's about influencing people um, to do the things that we need them to do as leaders in the organization. But it's it's about giving cause because again, you know, if just do as I say. Nobody's motivated if I walk around here. And say, you know, you need to do this, and you need to do this, and you need to do this, right? And right. I give no reason why. I don't explain myself. I don't give any cause, and I don't give any objective information around that. Then it just—it's an order. Yeah. And that works maybe in some places, uh, maybe outside of manufacturing a business, but it doesn't work. It is not sustainable. Is my point? Yeah. You can do that. You can do that all day long. Good luck, but it will not result in in a positive workplace culture and it ultimately will not result in performance because it won't be sustainable because people will leave because they don't want to work in that environment yeah where people want to work is where they're listened to their 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 input is considered um you know and they're a part of a solution they're a part of a bigger thing and being a servant leader you have to accept those things because again 
and and I've had many coaching sessions with some of my leaders here who struggle a little bit with it, not 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 resistant, but just understanding it. Mark, why do you spend so much time explaining to employees what we need to do? Well, that's my job. My <laughs> job is to put reasoning cause around what we do, right. not to give orders because again, and but but by doing that, we gain the respect of employees because they want to be part of the solution and they understand. And again, I go back to that. You don't need to say, you don't need to say yes. Sometimes when, when people ask questions, you don't want to say yes, you can say no, no. And here's why, right? We can't do that because here's why. And in every time I've ever had to do that in every case, employees say, okay, well, I don't agree, but thanks for letting me know. Sure. Yeah. No problem. It's good. We don't, how are we going to agree to disagree? That's okay. And that's going to happen. Yeah. But you have to give reasons why. That's about being a servant leader. And if you if you're of the opinion that you don't answer to employees, then you don't have that's not that's not servant leadership thinking. And to answer your question about being scalable, I go back. My, my answer is yes, because it is a requirement to work here as a leader. If you yeah. want to be a leader here in this organization, you will you will subscribe to servant leadership because that's what we do here. Wow. That's really neat. Sounds like an amazing place to work. Um, <clears throat> so let's shift gears real quick and, and talk about technology and it, its relationship to, to workplace culture. You've got a, a, a fairly large facility there. Um, what role does technology play in uh, your, your cultural journey? And what technology have you leveraged at SSP uh, to, to help improve culture? Yeah, the biggest one being Funnel Cloud, as I mentioned. So before Funnel Cloud, you know, we we were kind of spreadsheets and back of napkins, so to speak, on mm -hmm. terms of, you know, tracking information. Uh, so Funnel Cloud has allowed us to have real time data on our assets. So we understand exactly how we're performing and where the gaps are. The next stages. So <clears throat> that's where we are today. Um, we are uh, about to embark on um, AI. So okay. some, some version of AI, mm -hmm. which is more predictive analysis. So measure monitoring equipment. So on our presses, for example, compressors, whatever, um, we would, we would have vibration analysis, noise analysis, heat analysis. Um, we would be tracking in real time anomalies of equipment. So we would have baselines where we know the normal ranges of this equipment are between X and Y. If we trend outside of the X to Y, um, we'll quickly alert ourselves. Hey, something's wrong here. Come look. Yeah. Because in, in heavy manufacturing with large tandem presses, 2000 ton presses, and we've got multiple presses, you know, having a, a catastrophic failure is a is a crippling thing for an organization because you have we are just in time supplier to many customers and right. we don't have you know months of inventory we have <laughs> hours in some cases so yeah. uh, you know being able to respond quickly is is extremely important in our business so we are moving in that ai uh, uh towards that ai right now which getting into a predictive analysis and monitoring all equipment and furthering our ability to um, share information with with our employees in terms of performance and these things. Yeah, that's awesome. <clears throat> uh, and and typically one of the questions I ask in the second question <clears throat> is about uh, initiatives you've implemented and and I've taken a lot of notes. I mean, from the one on one and the town halls and focus groups and surveys to the ask the president. 
just the concept of respect and dignity, the funnel cloud, the AI. Uh, you, you've got a lot of initiatives that you've gone with there. Uh, is there anything that you want to add to that list uh, of initiatives and, and things that you've done at SSP? <laughs> Oh, I probably missed half of them, to be honest with you. <laughs> you know, there's a lot going on here. Right. Um, you know, I, I'll give credit to my team. I mean, I've got I got some a real real strong team. Um, Brian, our director of CI, he's 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 fantastic. I mean, he's he's all over technology, and he's he's been really the the backbone of Funnel Cloud and bringing that in. So we got a lot of things happening. We had a lot of launches happening right now. So we've got some technology things we're working on where we've um, we took we took the business from it. We were just around 100 million in annual revenue in 2020. We'll be 250 million um, in 2025. Wow. So we we we've done real well at winning new business. Um, yeah. and, and we did that by improving quality and delivery and all that stuff. But uh, we, so we got technology. So we're going to go, we're going to go more towards aluminum. So aluminum stamping clutch, class A closure. So outer doors for, for several customers, okay. hoods, um, a number of different things. So we're embarking on some new technology, some bonding uh, technologies where, you know, normally you'd rivet, you'd weld, we're going to get in some sealing and bonding technologies. Very cool. Um, but from a from an ops perspective, I think really we, we're we're very singular focused on funnel cloud and, and AI. Mm -hmm. um, we're also very focused on what we call plant layout. So we've we spent a lot of effort and time looking at our facility and how to optimize, you know, die storage, material storage, material flow, um, you know, supermarkets, uh, high frequency delivery to assembly. So we spent a lot of time in that realm of how to optimize the the business okay um and then on the and then and then on the communication side we've got i mean magdalena did a we've got a i call it a world-class newsletter that goes out to our employees it's fantastic and so she's doing that quarterly That's which awesome. provides a lot of information a lot of pictures from employees and events and things and and she calls them beautiful life moments so children babies being born grandkids a lot of that stuff um Man, I, I just feel like I'm missing a bunch of stuff. But, you know, I, I would summarize, you know, three huge initiatives that we're really focusing on. And that's what I've already mentioned, but I'll summarize lead, leading by example. Mm -hmm. That's leadership led transformation. It's communication. Is a, is, I can't stress enough the importance of communication. I mean, it's amazing. Um, again, just the questions I receive from the Ask the President box. Yeah tell me that still tell me today that we're not communicating enough to employees the questions aren't wild like they were in the beginning but they're they're misled to some degree the information sure. is incorrect to some degree so they've got a, they've got a sense of something but they don't have the actual details of something and so i clarify that but it tells me that we're still not communicating enough you know yeah. we, we do stand down meetings we do startup meetings we got a lot of a lot of but you can't you, you'll never communicate enough that's my point. Absolutely. You'll never communicate. No matter what you think you're doing, it's not enough communication. So do more. <laughs> Whatever no, do you're more. doing, do more. <laughs> yeah, do more, and that won't be enough either. Exactly. And then the, the last one is the cadence of accountability. Again, it, at all levels, including myself, I'm yeah. accountable to my leadership team. I'm accountable to my owners. I'm accountable to the employees, uh, and 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 I act that way, and so does the leadership team. We're, we're accountable to each other to ultimately drive performance and hold each other accountable to these standards. 
the policies, the procedures, dignity and respect, and these things that we have in this organization. And we hold each other accountable to that. We've had tough conversations many times because it wasn't happening and it needed to happen. Um, but but that's really those are really the areas of focus. And again, there's all kinds of stuff built into each one of those buckets I mentioned. But that's really that's really my my focus and and our team's focus. Awesome. And you've given me so much that I just need to process uh, so that I can ask you more questions in the future. So we'll definitely do a part two here uh, in the future. Mark, uh, as some parting shots or, or parting thoughts and comments, uh, what, what do you have for the listeners of the podcast as a way to kind of wrap everything up? Yeah, well, thanks, Jim. And, and I really appreciate the conversation and, and being able to really you know, summarize a lot of these things. I, I believe again, and I'll just, this be repeating myself, but, but thank you for the opportunity. Culture is a result of behavior, mm -hmm. management's behavior. Uh, if you, if you subscribe to the thought of servant leadership, it's a behavior in, in and above yourself. You first need to be the servant leader. Um, and, and it's, it's not about opposing, you know, answering to employees. As I mentioned a minute ago, I'm accountable to the employees that work here, period. Um, I, I go and I talk to the employees. I, if that questions, I answer them. Follow-up is critical. It's so critical. You gotta, you gotta be perfect. And again, I wrote about burden of leadership because I believe in the, in the fact that it is a burden some days. It's tough some days because we are humans yeah. and we're people and we come to work and sometimes we're not always happy and we have a bad day. But I can tell you one thing for sure, and this is because my people have told me this, they, they have said, Mark, do you ever get upset? Are you ever angry? Um, and the answer is, uh, oh, hell yeah. Uh, but, but you won't know when it is. Right. And, and yeah, they'll know I'm frustrated at times, but they'll never feel the wrath of me because it's not, because that's not what servant leaders do. You know, it's not, it's not there at the end of the day. If I have a performance issue with an employee, it's my responsibility to deal with that. And I will. Um, but, but I don't need to go around here because I had a, an argument with my spouse in the morning or I, I had a fender bender on the way in and I come in here and I'm a tyrant. I, and, and I'm sure, have you ever had that where you've had a boss where you say, uh, today's not a good day to go talk to him. We better, uh, we better wait till next week. He's in a real foul mood. This, yeah. this, this, these things send me off because as a, as a leader, so, so what if you're not in a good mood today? That's not your people's problem. That's your problem. Right. And so yeah. deal with it. So Parting shots. I mean, I think that's it. Again, it, it, culture can be changed, but it takes concerted effort by leadership and their behavior and listening to employees and acting upon their feedback. And, and time. I mean, you said that Absolutely. earlier. I mean, it, it's not an overnight thing. And and that's what I run across a lot. And that's ultimately why this, this podcast was born is a lot of people thought that culture was either a uh, a one-time thing or it was it or it happened overnight and and neither of those are true it's it's a continuous effort to align those those values uh of the leadership of an organization with the people who work for it right and, and that takes time and, and continual uh reinforcement think about it this way jim that's exactly right i often use that example about changing a culture is like turning a cruise ship ah yeah so distance is time you don't turn on a dime right you tur start turning the wheel and it takes a lot of ground to make that turn it uh, takes a lot of time and that's exactly yeah. how it is it's it's it, well 
again, I started in March of 2020. And I would tell you that as late as last year, I wasn't satisfied that we were where we needed to be. And that was yeah. two years in plus. This is three years in. And I'm feeling like we are we are now coming to where I really wanted us to be. That's three years of concerted effort yeah. to change the culture before and performance. Um, it took us, I'll call it two and a half years to do it. Wow. Wow. Well, keep working, my friend. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. It sounds like an amazing place to work. Uh, listeners, please check out Spartanburg Steel Products online. Uh, they've got a great website. Talk about uh, their culture, their values, um, and what they do. Um, and so, Mark, thank you. That's a wrap for this episode of the Manufacturing Culture Podcast. I hope that you've enjoyed uh, out there listening uh, from Mark as much as I enjoyed uh, having this conversation. His insight into the importance of workplace culture and how it can drive productivity, customer satisfaction, and bottom line profits uh, are absolutely inspiring. Um, his initiatives for improving the culture uh, there's just so much to take away from this episode. So thank you very much, Mark, for being on today. Thank you, Jim. I really enjoyed our conversation. Uh, everybody, remember, you can always find more episodes and other resources at manufacturingculturepodcast.com. If you enjoyed the episode, please, please, please share it with your friends, share it with your colleagues, send it to your manager uh, or leader of the organization. And don't forget to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, have a good day and keep making things. Mm -hmm.